Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert. I'm Gordon Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Ron, we want to talk about something. We had an inquiry from one of our listeners uh, telling us how much he enjoyed our episodes, but he said, you've often talked about water utilities from time to time, and he was wondering if there'd be enough content to do a show on water. And I replied to him, and I know you did, that, uh, yeah, we both are big believers in, in water utilities. You know, you always start to think about the Sons of the Pioneers song, you face the barren waste looking for cool, clear water. It's it's a very important commodity. You call it the new blue gold. Uh, absolutely, it's the new blue gold. And uh, it's literally one of the most consistent investment trends is just the demand for pure clean, blue water. Over 70% of the earth is covered in water, but less than 1% of it can be consumed as drinking water. And literally, if you take some time, go through the internet and look at, you know, type in a search for water or water challenges or, or water infrastructure, you know, the, the statistics are really alarming, and a couple I just included when I did my search is that 80% of global wastewater is not treated or even reused. 20% of the world's population doesn't have access to clean drinking water. And this really stunned me because it comes from a country that is supposed to be the richest country in the world, and that's the U.S. And according to some of the stats I looked at, 2.1 trillion gallons of purified water leak from water pipes every year because the infrastructure is literally falling apart. Well, we've heard the stories of places like Flint, Michigan, and they had problems, I think, in Newark, New Jersey with lead and pipes and stuff. This is a real big concern, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and McKinsey, which is a consulting company, a global company, estimates that it'll take $500 billion in global water infrastructure investment. That's not over 15 or 20 years. That's every year to the year 2030 just to keep up with demand and maintain what we have. Uh, literally, if you look at the global economic and political fighting that's going on over water, you see China literally threatening to dam off some of the water that comes from the, the um, huge mountain chain that they have and literally diverting that water back into China because they've got huge areas that have drought. And, of course, you've got countries like uh, India, Vietnam, which really, you know, they've got big rivers that are, that are sourced from, you know, Nepal and China and the, the high mountain ranges there. Vietnam, which has the Mekong River, and they wouldn't know what to do. I mean, there'd be a crisis immediately if China did that. You have Sudan talking about taking water and damming off the Blue Nile so none gets down to Egypt. Egypt has threatened war over this. So the world desperately needs to improve the way it manages its water supply, and that creates incredible opportunity. So from an investment point of view, the downside risk must be all of this capital that's going to have to be spent to repair the infrastructure. Uh, but from a standpoint of somebody wanting to, to get into water as an investment, how do you approach that? Well, you have to look at the global environment. And some places are very friendly to privately owned water utilities and other 
others aren't. For example, Canada's water utilities are all government-owned. England, on the other hand, their entire market has been privatized, whereas governments in countries like the U.S., France, Spain, India, Brazil, uh, they still manage some of their own water supplies, but they also have a growing private sector. And historically, water's been owned and managed by the state to ensure that everybody has access at a reasonable price. But what's happened is that public funding is just drying up. And so they're finding through these 3P partnerships and just turning some of the infrastructure over to privatization that they're able to raise capital to be able to improve the underlying infrastructure of these water utilities. And so in many places, we're seeing more and more privatization as private capital is coming in to help uh, get a faster pace on development. So uh, we're going to examine some of that today. We're going to look at some of the countries where you can go and find water utility investments uh, to look at, and we'll be taking some of the bigger uh, companies in each of those countries and uh, putting them under a microscope and taking a little closer look. And we should point out that uh, obviously with the public, the public purse is, is drawn on in a lot of different respects. So you can sort of see the logic behind government saying, well, maybe if we privatize some of this, got the capital from the private sector, this would help alleviate some of the concerns that we have. Is that is that the thinking? Also, the fact that, uh, you know, this is controversial in many places, but typically private industry um, is able to run in many cases uh, wastewater and freshwater systems cheaper than the government can. And so, you know, at the end of the day, these things have to be paid for. And you're either going to pay them for them through taxpayer money or you're going to end up paying for them through revenue that comes from the monthly billing that you get every month. But government still, even with privatization, has control because they can set price caps on customers' bills. Uh, they can demand a certain level of investment. So even though you're turning it over to privatization, it doesn't mean that capitalists or in capitalism can run amok. And with these regulated businesses, they have to put so much money in reinvestment to keep the system running. They have to go before a regulator and get price increase approval. So uh, for, for many, they're finding that this is a good avenue to go to, to get more infrastructure done. And, of course, for investments and investors, this is terrific because water utilities are just one of those places you can go where the demand over the next, as far into the future as you can see, is virtually unlimited. Okay, and we should also make maybe just a little note to our listeners here that, uh, speaking of water, you're across the water, you're off the continent <laughs> as we record this today. So we are using a telephone hookup, and we apologize for it. You know, the phone companies have these little glicks and glitches every once in a while. So if you hear something that sounds a little unusual, that's what it's in respect to. So now, unregulated businesses aren't subject to any limitations, correct? Unregulated businesses... And you'll have unregulated areas that water utilities uh, can get in, and that is supplying water to businesses through private water networks. Uh, often they will allow water utilities to be into waste management and recycling side of it. I mean, you can take this waste and you can often recycle it into fertilizer. 
so there's many areas that aren't regulated, and water utilities are moving into those areas and taking advantage of it. For example, another one is most of the water utilities, uh, or many of the water utilities, especially in Europe, have solid waste management because um, and you go to a water treatment plant, it's amazing the stuff that flows down the pipe that's solid. And they're able to recycle that or reuse that, and, and that part of their business is often unregulated. And the, if a company has an unregulated side of their business, that's often where you can see faster growth and profits. Before we get into water utilities versus water stocks, you know, one of the questions I have, and this has been ongoing for a lot of years, Ron, what's happening with desalination? That's a, that's a key component for the future, I would think. Well, desalination, the big problem with desalination in the past has just been the cost. And those costs have been coming down, and there's a number of uh, companies now, especially in the Caribbean, where you're going to an expensive resort. And, you know, if you can afford five, six, seven hundred dollars a night to go to a Caribbean resort, and maybe an all-inclusive where the golf is included, uh, typically these islands are deserts and they don't have enough water to especially water their golf courses, which are uh, liquid intensive, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And so they have water treatment plants there that they're using for especially upscale resorts. Now, as that price comes down, it's going to get more and more attractive just for uh, usage in con for consumers. I don't think it's ready for agriculture yet because agriculture tends to need a lot of water, and I just don't think they'll be able to get the price point down enough in the near future to make that really, really competitive. But certainly for the consumer and certainly at resorts and things like that, water uh, is being desalinated and being used. And I think over the next decade, for sure, uh, they're coming up with better and less energy-intensive ways to use desalination. And I think it's going to get a lot broader base going forward. Okay, so let's get into water utilities versus water stocks. Yeah, and water the difference between a water utility and a water stock is a water utility is essentially considered an essential service for the, for the public, and therefore it's regulated. Whereas a water stock, typically a water stock provides the technology, often uh, the chemicals, the treatment, the filters, the purifying system, the valves, and a lot of other things. You know, Rainbird is considered that uh, they've got irrigation systems, right. is considered a water stock certainly isn't a water utility. So there's two sides of the equation that you can look at. Water stocks uh, generally are going to be slower growers because it's regulated how much profit they can take, but they're also going to be less volatile. So there, there's a trade-off going with a water utility or a water stock. So are they, are they like, would they be considered a defensive stock, or what's your take on that? Uh, the water utilities especially are a defensive stock. And I've watched the water stocks over the years because I've owned a lot of them. And uh, water stocks typically are a little bit more industrial because if industry slows down and economy slows down, often utilities and companies are just buying less of the stuff they produce. But they are more conservative than the average stock 
on the S&P 500 or the TSX, for example. So water utilities are on the very, very conservative end of the risk spectrum. Water stocks would be conservative, but not as conservative as water utilities, for sure. So one of the, is one of the benefits of water utilities, do they pay dividends? Yeah, generally, one of the big attractions of uh, water utilities is just, number one, as we talked about their defensive nature, but also uh, is dividends. Water stocks tend to pay reliable and generous dividends because shareholders have limited liability uh, or a limited ability to benefit from share appreciation. And many of the investors that look at water utilities are looking at them for their dividend. So a water utility, every time they're given a rate increase, they're able to increase their dividends as well. So you're not only having a company which pays an above average dividend, but typically you're buying a company that over the years is able to increase that dividend as well, which is certainly something you can't say if you own a bond. Okay, now that's some of the pros of, of these, but what about the cons of water utility stocks? Got to be a downside here too. Well, there, there's three major risks. And the first one is that if interest rates arise, because this kind of stock is considered interest sensitive, and we covered interest sensitivity and what that means on previous shows, and we've got a lot of real estate to cover today, so I won't get into that. But what it typically means is that if interest rates go up, generally interest-sensitive stocks go up less or go down. So if interest rates start rising, this is one of the things that can push water utilities in the other direction. And often people are moving because if you've got interest rates going to 5%, for example, uh, these attractive interest rates uh, attract investors that can earn better interest than for example, the dividend they're getting on a conservative water stock. So as rates go up and bonds get more attractive, conservative investors typically buy these things, often migrate back into the more conservative stuff like bonds. And then every once in a while, you'll get uh, municipal government or whatever the case may be, they get together and they want to change the regulatory environment. That could be a downside risk. Yeah, exactly. For, for example, in the UK, uh, every five years, the water regulator uh, has essentially public hearings. And if they're going to make any changes to the price limits that uh, water utilities can charge, they usually do it at that time. And that can have a profound effect on an industry's profitability. And of course, around that time, you start seeing water utilities get more volatile as you start uh, getting the politicians weighing in and uh, you get the consumer groups coming in and saying we're paying too much for our water and you're going to get more volatility every time there's a, a rate case being uh, brought up for public scrutiny. And I guess the larger part of that equation would be politics can enter into this sometimes too, right? Oh yeah, I mean you look at the UK for example, there were growing fears for a while uh, that the leader of the Labour Party, who's no longer uh, around, Jeremy Corbyn, was one of his election promises was to nationalize or renationalize the entire industry. And of course, if they nationalized them, investors wouldn't have gotten a great price, and they would have been government-owned, so they would have been uh, they would have had to sell their shares back to the government. So that created some volatility as well. So because these are a partially a political animal, you've got to be careful with them.
Okay, so there are different ways to approach investing in water utilities and water stocks. One of them would be ETFs. Maybe we should break here and come back in our next episode and drill down a little bit, pardon the pun, into how we want to maybe think about investing some of our, our portfolios into these utilities and stocks. Would that be the best route to go? I think that would be great. So if listeners are uh, have, have come this far, uh, next episode, which will be next week, uh, we'll be looking at using ETFs to invest in the water sector, and then we'll be taking the UK, Europe, Asia, and the United States and looking at the biggest opportunities that they have in the water sector. And then finally, we'll cap it off with a little bit of strategy. Okay, so if you can hang in there with us till next week, we'll drill down a little bit more on this. And again, a reminder, if you have a question, as James did, about this particular area or another area of investing, you can reach us through letsmakemoney.ca, or you can go to the cfcw.com website and also hook up with us there. That mail will get e-directed to our inboxes. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll chat with you next time. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.